Luke chapter 16. We'll commence verse 19. Jesus particularly has been speaking to the Pharisees who looked on the outward appearance and not on the heart. And Jesus looks on the heart, reveals the heart, the soul, and shows how preoccupation with the outward is dangerous. Luke chapter 16, beginning at verse 19. Let us listen to this very solemn message from the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring craving to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that a beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, literally Hades, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father, Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto the, and he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. I remind us that these are the words spoken by our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus spoke more about hell than anyone else. Hell is real according to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's as real as heaven. Last week we considered the subject of heaven as we have been tracing the events, the last days, the last moments of time. Jesus said about heaven, I go to prepare a place for you. It's a place. It's a real bona fide place. Yea, Jesus spoke more about heaven than hell. Oh, the prospect and the promise of heaven. But all oh, the warnings and horrors of hell. The Bible says, Acts 1.25, that Judas went 
to his own place. Hell is also a place like heaven is a place. Extremes, but equally true. There's a heaven to gain, as the old Puritans used to say. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Hell is often a swear word in our society. When the devil takes solemn words and uses and, and transforms them into profane words, commonplace, it's his way of lightening a very weighty and serious truth. Hell should be a word that's taken with solemnity. God's names are often taken in vain. God is a God of holiness and reverence. God's Son, Jesus and Christ and Lord are often taken in vain. He's a holy Son. God's work. The the word miracle is often used in such a trite way. It's lost its vigor. God's powerful act. God's place. Heaven is often abused. People use it in the names of their businesses. Use it, again, in such a light way. God's Word. How often His words are used so so poorly. The word saved or born again or hallelujah. Heard about that organization in California that is mocking the Roman church, the Roman nuns, but they mock the gospel. They mock the gospel of Jesus Christ. The way that they name some of their characters. But God's prison is often abused. Hell is a serious word. It's a serious place. It's God's prison. And this is perhaps the clearest passage that Jesus taught about hell. I take this passage from verses 19 to 31 in this way. The fact of hell, verses 19 to 23. The fury of hell, verses 24 and 25. The finality of hell, verse 26. And the flight from hell, verses 27 to 31. I hope that a literal outline would help somewhat. The fact of hell, verses 19 to 23. Though this is a parable, the the main teaching is clear. Again, there's a heaven and there's a hell. The one that went to heaven is comforted. He died and was carried by angels. The one that went to hell is tormented or tortured is the idea. As John 14 spoke particularly of heaven, Luke 16 speaks particularly of hell. Some, and there are believers on both sides that argue that this is a real story or this is a parable teaching the truth. They say it's a real story because one is named. But that doesn't necessarily conclude that it was not a parable. Lazarus was a common name, and it means uh, the Lord is is uh, comforting. The Lord comforts. But the interesting thing is, the Lord leaves the man that went to hell anonymous. They're anonymous now. Oh, they had a name when they lived on earth. But the name of the wicked shall rot. Proverbs tells us. But God remembers the names of those that were anonymous in earth who people didn't care for. Apparently, the rich man didn't even give him the crumbs that fell from the table and certainly didn't give him the time of day. 
The Lord is my help. The Bible tells us he was this particular person is represented as laid at the gate or carried. He must have been an invalid, very sick. The Bible tells us that he desired is a very strong word. He craved. He craved just some crumbs. And it doesn't tell us that he got them. Even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. They're apparently not the believer. is often mistreated. And so we wonder, the dogs that are represented here as licking his sores, does that speak of the horribleness of his condition, that they were oozing sores, like Job's sores? Or does this say something of the effect that the dogs had more mercy upon him than the rich man did? And of course, we have to give a disclaimer. This is not how often people come to this passage and say all rich people are going to hell and all poor people are going to heaven. That's not the point of the story. And I'll show you in a minute how it's certainly one of the major reasons why the Lord spoke of a rich man going to hell, but there are rich men that go to heaven. Abraham and Job and... uh, David and Solomon, they were all wealthy individuals. How do we deal with wealth? Are we, do we use our wealth for the glory of God? How do we get our wealth? Was it by stealth? Was it by deceit? Or was it by hard work or inheritance or gift? And poor people go to hell. Not every poor person goes to heaven. I have met poor people that curse God. And so, this is, that isn't the point. But the point is that there are those that go to heaven and there are those that go to hell. That God has a, a paradise, but He also has a prison. But the point about the rich man is his spiritual bankruptcy. He learned that he had a soul too late. You know how he's described here? And think about how many people in this world are described in this way. What he owned, what he wore, and what he ate. It's the only description of the rich man. What he had, what he wore, and what he ate. That's it. Not that he had a church, that he prayed, that he... That he was saved, that he had a soul. No. He neglected his soul. He had no spiritual substance. All that was to him was what was in this world. What he could touch, what he could taste, what he could feel, what he could hear, what he could see. The natural man is being described. Oh, you might be educated, you you might work, you might own, you might wear. And the Bible tells us that he what he apparently uh, had was was opulent. Was it was opulence? The word gate speaks of some ornate structure. And of course, it says he wore purple. Purple was rare in those days, the purple dye. It was the dye of, it was the color of kings. So he was portraying himself, it doesn't say that he was a king or even some official, but he's wanted to present himself as, as royalty, as special. And he certainly had all the food available, for it says that he fared sumptuously every day. Oh, the luxury. He had, he had, he had the, the, uh, the table spread every day. He had all the food that man could taste from all over the world. But even philanthropy is lacking in this man. But even if he had, if he donated things, his works could not earn him eternal life. You can be a philanthropist and not even care about your soul or anyone else's soul. But Jesus says, in hell he lifted up his eyes. The word for hell is the word that we recognize as Hades. The word Hades has the 
a privative and then days. So it's no knowledge, no light that is any longer. It's not saying that the rich man um, was annihilated or the rich man was asleep. It's just simply saying no longer do they know anything. They're out of the society of this world. They're in darkness. They're in hell. In other words, someone who went to hell yesterday doesn't know what happens today. He won't know what's on the front news, the, the, the front newspaper. Hades in the Bible is the temporary holding center. It's like when someone's arrested here, they are taken to the Erie County Holding Center until they come to trial. and Then they are, if they're found guilty, they go to a maximum security prison. This word is, is used, for instance, in Matthew 11.23, the cities that rejected Jesus Christ will be brought down to hell. Hell is down, as it were. Now, of course, the picture is they're going down and not up. But the idea in the Bible is that hell is downward. It's used in Revelation 1 that Jesus has the keys of Hades and of death. He's the one that opens it. He's the one that closes it. Revelation 20, Death and Hades delivered up the dead which were in them. So you see that it's at the end, the passage we read earlier, it's death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. The lake of fire, or Gehenna, is the permanent prison. Hades is the temporary prison. In other words, Hades has a, an entrance and an exit. The lake of fire has an entrance, but no exit. Oh, the terrifying thing about people that are in a building that is burning and they can't get out. That's the picture of, of hell, of Gehenna. So you have Hades has the soul only. When Jesus said, Fear not him that can kill the body, and after that he has no more that he could do, Matthew 10.28 but fear him who can cast both soul and body into hell. That word in Matthew 10 is not Hades. That word is Gehenna. Gehenna is the same as the lake of fire. And the lake of fire, of course, is found in, in Revelation 20. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And Jesus said, that the lake of fire was prepared for the devil and his angels. But then men fell. Human beings fell. They also will be joined with demons if, they, if we dare to die without Jesus Christ. There are several synonyms of hell. Hades and Gehenna, the lake of fire, the pit. Everlasting fire, the blackness of darkness forever. Well, this is serious. Hell is real. It's factual, just like heaven. And I could apply, could I not, the same words that Jesus applied to heaven? Remember when He was teaching about heaven? I go to prepare a place for you. What did He say to assure them that He was not Joking, He was not lying. He's the prophet of truth. If it were not so, I would have told you. But aren't they chilling words that e easily apply to hell? If it were not so, I would have told you if there was no hell. So people that say there's no hell are saying Jesus is lying. People that say that hell is today are calling Jesus a liar that hell is on earth, saying he's a liar, or that there's soul sleep, or that there's annihilation or reincarnation. They're calling Jesus a liar. He is the Lord of truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Brother and sister, it's the whole counsel of God that I preach on hell as well as heaven. I asked a man recently that I was witnessing to about 
his soul and he just talked about what he hears in his church and he says church is the same anywhere and I said when's the last time your preacher preached on hell and he didn't lie to me crickets he didn't remember if I'd ever his preacher had ever preached on hell always if I'd have asked him, when's the last time your, preach, your preacher preached on heaven, he would have told me almost every week. If it were not so, Jesus would have told us. Hell is factual. The fact of hell. I pray that our heart is, is touched by this truth. If there were a hell, would it not make a difference in us if we keep that truth in mind? If we could keep in mind the groans of a lost soul right now, we're told that every second someone dies. You want to argue with me five seconds or 20 seconds, but certainly someone is dying regularly. And right now, perhaps, there's someone who's dying, who's dead now, and in hell he's lifting up his eyes in torment. Shouldn't that have some serious prolonged effect upon our souls as well as someone just died and in heaven they lifted up their eyes being in glory, being comforted like Lazarus. By the way, Another synonym that the Jews would have recognized was Abraham's bosom was, is a synonym for heaven. And so the point there is that here was a man that was ignored by rich and mowed out poor of this world. And here he is, a beggar. He's laying on Abraham's bosom, the father of the faithful. Didn't ignore this beggar who went into heaven. Come over here. Sit next to me. You're now comforted. Isn't that comforting the people who've never had much, who've only remembered sickness in their life and crumbs and dogs licking at their sores and people ignoring them. The fact of hell. But at the same time, you could certainly preach on the fact of heaven just by focusing on Lazarus here. But I believe the main point that Jesus is teaching in this parable is that there is a hell to shun. The fact of hell. Secondly, the fury of hell. The fear of hell, verses 24 to 25. He lifted up his eyes, being in torments. Being in torments. In other words, hell is punitive and not rehabilitative. Hell is punishment. It's not physical therapy. Soul therapy. They wax worse and worse. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. There's no positive change in the lost. You say, what about the man being concerned for his brothers? Well, just like in life, there's, there's, even, there's even agape love in the lost for their own. There's no agape love for God. There's no sacrificial, serious love for the Lord. But even that may indeed be selfish. Would you want, if you're in hell and you're the oldest brother perhaps, and you've influenced your younger brothers, do you want them in hell? Do you want them to descend and walk over and say, why didn't you tell us that we had souls? Why didn't you tell us that we needed to be saved from our sins? Now we're here. You let us here. This is a verse for us who have people watching us and following us for older brothers, older sisters, for siblings, for spouses, for parents, 
for grandparents, for neighbors, for relatives. I tremble when I think about people at Judgment Day on the other side looking over and I never told them about Jesus. The Bible has that that indication that there will be blood on our hands. Remember what he said to Ezekiel, you don't if, if the city is, is being taken and you don't blow the horn, they'll die in their sins, but thou will be accountable. Hades is now, keep that in mind, just like last week, John 14, heaven is now, but there's a new heaven and a new, there's a, there's a, a now and a not yet. And there's a Hades that's right now, brother and sister. yes, The lake of fire is the future, but there is a prison right now. And it's not like the prisons in the United States of America. There are no gymnasiums. There are no basketball courts. There are no doctors and dentists. There are no showers. There are no water fountains. There are no buffets. The fury of hell. They're there to await trial and conviction and penalty. Isn't it sad? But look at the difference. The wicked man had a burial at least. And we assume he had a funeral. It says he died and was buried. Do you notice it's totally missing with Lazarus? He died and was carried by angels. It doesn't say he was buried or he had a funeral. Now some say, well... Maybe the Lord is teaching there the rapture, that he wasn't buried because his body was taken up. You know what it's saying? He was so poor, his burial was insignificant. He probably was buried in a, in a grave of the anonymous. They had, they had real estate fields for those that couldn't afford, those who were unnamed, those who were, who were uh, despised in this world. Just like they they kept Jesus from being buried like the thieves. He was to be buried differently, to be honored in his grave. Lazarus doesn't even get the dignity of a funeral. His body joins the anonymous grave cemetery. And of course, a disclaimer here is Jesus isn't teaching something in sequence in the sense that it says he died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes. He wasn't buried. Jesus isn't saying he was buried before he was in hell. You think of that, brother and sister, that the man dies, his soul wakes up in hell, and now they're embalming his body. He's, he's ordered the, the, the most plush, lavish coffin you can buy. Gold, and silver, Oh, lots of friends. And he's got the clergy that's going to canonize him at his funeral. Look at the funeral of, of of this man that was popular in the world. Had a name for himself. He had, he owned, he, he wore, he ate. And here the preacher at the graveside. Mr. or or Honorable So-and-So is now enjoying his feast in heaven, still clothed in purple, friends all around him. And like you often hear such wicked blasphemy, he's playing golf in heaven. Now he's bouncing a basketball higher than he ever did. Oh, the fool. The fool says that death is the ticket to heaven. Christ is the ticket to heaven. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. People live as if death is the ticket. Death is the butler into heaven. No, Jesus teaches death is either the precursor to heaven or the precursor to hell. Oh, the fury of hell. We know... 
man and a woman in the Toronto church that are now both widows. They remarried, but the woman, Joan, had a husband that was wicked. and She was converted and he was wicked. And what the Lord used to move his heart was when he went to a, a wicked comrade's funeral and heard the preacher canonize his wicked colleague. And he said, I don't want any lying man canonizing me, as it were, at my funeral. I know he was lost. And I'm lost. And he got saved. And I was speaking to the man that remarried his his wife after this man died. And I didn't know the sequel. The man's son had almost an exact equivalent experience. He was at a funeral of a person he knew was lost and the preacher had him in heaven with all kinds of accolades. And he said, oh no, I don't want a lying man at mine just like my father. He got saved. You want a lying charlatan at your funeral, at your graveside, saying you're in heaven and all the while you've lifted up your eyes in torments? Oh, the obituaries today, they just assume, don't they? Oh, they've joined their forefathers. They're playing golf above. They're looking down upon us now. No more pain. Oh, if it's so, then praise God. But how often you hear people and you know that their family, their loved ones were lost and you hear them say, at least there's no more pain. Have they read Luke 16? They don't know. They've never known pain if if they die without Christ. Oh, forgiven sinners, of forgiven sinners. It's been a delight to be able to have the the funeral of one we believe is in glory. They join the previous saints. There's no more sorrow and pain and sickness. They know the joy of the Lord. But you know what I've had to do at funerals of people that I'm not sure of their soul? Or I'm pretty confident they were lost. Absolute silence. I can't say anything about their soul. Of course, I don't know if they came to the Lord on their deathbed. I know there's a few that I know on their deathbed they weren't believing. But what can you say? You can say, I know this much, that this departed loved one would want you to hear what I'm saying right now about. Oh, it's a lonely feeling to stand up before dozens of lost people and preach the Gospel with a coffin right before you. There's one deathbed conversion in the Bible. The dying thief rejoiced to see the fountain, that fountain in his day. And so may I. What's the rest of it? So may I be able to rejoice in that day that I've heard the Lord Jesus say, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. There's one deathbed conversion. One to hope that a person can be saved at the end. But only one for a warning that you and I cannot be promised our consciousness, our our mental faculties at that last day. How often people are in so much pain they can't think about praying. They can't think about their soul and the Gospel. They're preoccupied with pain. Or they're unconscious. Or they're taken quickly in an accident. Or a heart attack. There's a man at the bus garage. He's an attendant. 68 years old. Pray for him. I've been able to give him the Gospel. He told me his mother was walking on Main Street in Springville and dropped dead. On Main Street. That's it. Heart attack. 
can't be promised an opportunity. There's one to hope. Maybe you're listening now and you're in a hospital bed. The Lord is there to forgive those who call upon Him. But one only for warning. If you dare to die without Jesus, it's too late. The Bible says there's not only a prison to shun, but the Bible even talks about degrees of punishment in hell. Just like there are degrees of sentences on earth. How many years in jail? Or the capital punishment? Or what type of jail that you're put in? Especially if you don't have enough money. But Matthew 23 says, Jesus says, you'll have greater damnation to the Pharisees. Oh, the groans of a lost soul. Three times being in torments. I am tormented. Thou art tormented. This place of torment. Four times. And the, there's two Greek words. One speaks of, of um, intense pain. And the other three times it speaks actually of the word is used of a rack of torture in the early English. What he's saying is, I'm being tortured. You say, this is cruel. Why is this even in the Bible? Isn't this over the top? God is holy. We underestimate sin. We say that that premeditated killing, murder, deserves the death penalty. And that's the murder of a human being. Sin is, as it were, the attempted murder of God. I will not have you rule over me. I would rather you didn't exist. I will live the way I want to live. These are Jesus' words, not mine. Sin is a cosmic crime against God. It deserves the death penalty. It deserves the eternal death penalty. And it will be given that. Unless your punishment is, in, is found in Christ. Because in verse 26 we have thirdly, not only the fact of hell and the fury, the fear of hell, the finality of hell. Send Lazarus! Isn't that interesting? He's still acting like a big shot. He's commanding Abraham. Do it! Send Lazarus. He's still acting as a lord to a slave. And see, sin doesn't diminish in hell. Pride continues. And Abraham says, it can't happen. You've received your good things and Lazarus' is, is evil things. What's he saying? Beside the fact that destiny is decided in this life. We miss that between the lines. Beside all this, there is a gulf fixed. But what does he mean by beside all this? What he just said. Destiny is decided in this life. Don't think you have a second chance. It's not going to happen. You die either in or out of Christ. Between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. The word gulf is a word we recognize. Chasm. A great chasm. You ever seen some real serious? What do we call them when we come to a big ravine? Some serious ravine. This is a serious ravine, and it's called great mega, literally mega chasm, huge. You can't build a bridge across it. The Bible says it's fixed. Placed. It's a tense that says it's permanent. It's 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 already been built and it's permanent. It's fixed. He's not going to fill it in for you to walk across. 
He's not going to build a bridge. Jesus is not the bridge after this life from hell to heaven. He's the bridge right now between lost and saved. Remember, this is a parable, so we can't stress every single point. So the point here is not that heaven is unable to be is able to be seen from hell. He's making a point. So that's another reason to show it's a parable because the Bible does not teach that people go down who are saved. The Bible does not teach that that in 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 the afterlife right now there's a great ravine and Abraham's on one side and and Balaam's on the other. It's a point being made. In other words, this is the one passage that gives us an indication of what goes on in the mind of the lost. Maybe, maybe I can get some water someday. Maybe I can, maybe God will think differently one day. That if one of us, or if one of, the, if one of them in heaven are allowed to go to earth, They'll be believed. A miracle. It takes a miracle. There needs to be the evidence of a miracle for anybody to get saved or the tough ones to get saved. No, the Bible says that all do not go below. Enoch and Elijah went up. Paul called paradise the third heaven. In heaven means to be with the Lord, not without the Lord. This man never wanted God in life and he's not going to have Him in death. You think you, you have nothing to do with God right now. You don't read His Word. You don't attend public worship. And you think, just one day, God will come at my behest. Oh friend, you don't want God now? Then, then you're not going to get Him at death if you think that that's going to be the time that you'll wait. Now's the time. And it's not just the old that died. There's no indication that this man was old. Perhaps in the prime of life. There's no pity in hell. He asks Abraham to pity him. There's no music. There's no love. There's no light. There's no... Friends, there's no parties, there's no rest, there's no relief, there's no laughter, there's no sleep, there's no beauty, there's no water, there are no hikes, there are no pictures, no weddings, no funerals. God is holy. Sin is bad. The gospel of Jesus is an urgent need. Jesus, as it were, has a danger sign in this passage. Danger! Don't pass death too soon. You see signs of danger at certain places. Sharks, bears, cliffs, waves, electricity. Here's here's a sign here. Hell! Hell is real! Finality of hell. It's final. No second chance. That's why I close in the the passage. Does it not close with the light flickering, as it were? Verses 27 to 31, the flight from hell. Like John the Baptist preached, Matthew 3 7, flee from the wrath to come. Literally, flee from the coming wrath. It's coming. It's coming. Flee! It's coming after you. Like goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Wrath and torment are licking at your feet, friend. Flee to Christ. Bring forth fruits of repentance. It's not not more evidence you need. That's what that man, he's, he's deceived. We need more evidence. We need a person that's come from heaven in order for us 
to be saved. Friend, you're lying. Jesus came from heaven. Jesus came from heaven again after He died. He went to heaven and He came back again. And He walked on the earth. It's not another miracle you need. It's faith. It's repentance. It's forsaking your sin. It's admitting your loss that you have a soul that will live somewhere forever. There he goes again, dictating. Send Lazarus. Send Lazarus. This time he doesn't dictate though. Does he? He says, I pray thee. He's turned a beggar now. See that? He's no longer commanding, verse 27. I beg thee. Lazarus is the beggar that goes to heaven. Now this man is the, is the dictator that's now become the beggar. He's begging Abraham to send somebody to his father's house. I have five brothers. Oh, friend, you died not helping your brothers. You not only missed your own soul, you let your brothers be without the Gospel. And he's asking that they may testify. That's a word for... Preach, a synonym for preach, lest they also come into this place of torment. There are preachers that say that this isn't any concern whatsoever. That he's more concerned about, he doesn't want sibling rivalry in hell as, as he had it in, on earth. I don't know if that's true. But I know there's guilt involved here. He's feeling guilt. What a fool. I thought that everything, everything in life was what you owned and what you wore and what you ate. Cruises, hikes, well, those are nice things, I'm sure. But that's not all there is to life. Don't let them come to this place of torture. Abraham simply says they have Moses and the prophets. They don't... They don't need more evidence. They got enough evidence. The Bible. And he corrects. Amazing. In hell, you're going to argue? And they're going to argue. Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in Your name? Lord, works righteousness does count. I don't believe it's all of grace. I disagree with you. That's what sin does. It deceives it emboldens. It's proud. It's deceiving and deceived. They don't need more evidence. They need the Bible. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And may I say... How does anybody have an excuse today? They have Moses. They have the prophets. They have the Psalms. They have the Gospels. They have the book of Acts. They have the epistles. They have the book of Revelation. We've added 27 more books. And by the way, you think about sending Lazarus back. They probably... Assault him. If he went to his five brethren and said, Your brother's in hell, they'd chase that man out of town. You liar. Our pastor, our preacher said he's in heaven. Don't all rich people go to heaven? Is that why, isn't that not why they're rich? Because God has, has blessed them? That's, remember, the disciples were deceived. They thought, who then can go to heaven if, it's hardly, if hardly a rich person can go there? Their thought was, a rich person must have been blessed by God, so they must be right with God. And think of the slight it would do to God's servants who over and over and over again preach the Gospel for all their life. And now one person comes back from the dead and he thinks one person when they've had preachers and prophets and Christians surrounding them. He had a, a believer at his gate for years perhaps. 
He had the gospel at his fingertips. Well, don't think you, have, you don't have enough evidence. Don't, you, don't think that you haven't had as, as much gospel as somebody else. One time is sufficient. Even no time is sufficient. We all deserve God's wrath. Besides, God has given us many miracles as evidence that He's real. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. The incarnation of the Son of God. The atonement of Christ at Calvary. The resurrection of Jesus. His ascension. The conversion of sinners before our eyes. We don't need more miracles. We need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The miracle of God. We need repentance and faith. We need to turn from our wicked ways. We have the Bible. And I close with seconds count, do they not? If every second someone dies, perhaps my second is soon. Just in time is right now. Or it may be too late. There's no second chance. Every second counts. In other words, there is not the promise of the next second. It's suicide to say, I'll take my chance at tomorrow or later. It's wisdom. It's life to say, Lord, save me now. Lord, please. I've been deceived, I've been proud. Have mercy on me. Save my wretched soul. I believe, Lord. Say with the thief on the cross, Remember me, Lord. You're in your kingdom now. Remember me. Don't let me go to hell. Please give me a place in heaven. Lord Jesus, bless your word. Please save sinners. Open the eyes of those the devil is long blinded. Our loved ones, our friends and neighbors. Forgive us, Lord, where we are unconcerned. We're hardened in heart. Unloving and uncaring. Lord, don't let us die unmoved. Please, let there be a permanent effect of this solemn word from Thee. Jesus, please, pray for us. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Make us warning shots to others to flee from the wrath to come. Awaken our lost children and grandchildren, siblings, parents. Please, Lord, may the fear of God fall. May the reality of hell have its impact. The word will not return void. For your glory we pray. Amen.